another episode of the Fly and the Wall Show. Man, I'm so happy you made it this far. I would never let fear hold me back ever again. And I got a special guest. This is about to be an amazing conversation. I got the legendary power move maker and shaker. This is about to be an amazing conversation, man. I swear I hear it all like a fly on the wall. But truly, I'm not small. I'm the flyest of all. And this a meeting ground for the blessing profound. The hottest talk show around. You better turn up your sound. Because if you want to be great, you got to learn from the greats. Analyze what they say and avoid their mistakes. If you got what it takes, just give me a call. I'm here to hear it all. It's the Fly on the Wall show. Thank you. Thank you. 100%, bro. Thank you, bro. And so, uh, Mr. Armani, I just want to thank you so much for being my special guest today on the Fly on the Wall show. Uh, thank you for, you know, taking up my request and my offer. I've been following you on Twitter for a very long time. You're somebody that I know can provide a lot of value. Thank you, bro. I follow you on Instagram, too, so I enjoy your videos. I think you're very well-spoken. Yeah. Thank you, man. I really appreciate that, um, sir. And so for the people who don't know who you are and what it is that you do, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Sure. So my name is Armand Chaudhry. Uh, I'm the founder of Armani Talks, which is currently a company that provides short stories to help engineers and entrepreneurs improve public speaking, social skills, creative writing, and much more. Uh, my background consists of uh, being an engineer, uh, being the vice president of Toastmasters, and working with different people to help them build confidence, getting in front of the camera, giving their first speech, and feeling more comfortable expressing themselves. So I started Armani Talks in 2018, so I'm about to hit the three-year mark soon. Nice, nice. Yeah. Amazing, man. Well, thank you so much for, you know, telling the people who you are and what it is that you do. You're definitely somebody that I had to get in touch with, man. I've been following you for such a long time for various reasons because, you know, one of the things that, you know, I love to do is I love to write. I love to speak. I love to communicate. But I was always afraid to, to get in front of people and to actually speak. I feel like I had so much to say, but I just kept it all inside, like, I feel like I had this big personality, this big voice, but anytime it was like in front of a large group of people or when I wanted to perform my poetry, I'd freeze up, I'd make all kinds of excuses like, dang, I can't do that. What if these people laugh at me and all these different things, right? And, right. I, and I believe I think the number one fear for most people, which is public speaking. Can you talk a little bit about that fear? Yes. So public speaking fear is the number one fear from different studies and it's called yeah. glossophobia. Yes, yeah, so there's like a formal name for it and everything. And the reason that it's a very scary phenomena for a lot of people is not because of the ideas part. It's more so yeah. potentially failing in front of other people. Mm. So that's what holds a lot of people back. And it's something that can hold people back, especially if you're speaking in front of people that you know, or yeah. it could be strangers. So it's great that you ended up, you know, putting yourself out there. And yeah. one thing that I've seen uh, is that it, it's a skill set. So the more that you practice over time, the easier that it gets. So in the initial stages, it's always bumpy, but over time, just by making these little micro reps, they start yeah. to add up a lot. Yes, I definitely agree. And so, so you said you're an engineer. What type of engineering did you study or did you actually do? Sure. So I went uh, to school for my electrical engineering degree. Nice. And... My dad's an electrician. Oh, is he? Yeah. From yeah. So I... Yeah, it's, it's a great field. And I did my master's in systems engineering. 
So throughout my career, I worked in the electrical industry, aerospace, and the financial industry. And this is where like the two worlds were merging, where yeah. my engineering background, along with my Toastmasters background, were merging. Because um, there was a lot of these different engineering industries where people were extremely gifted with the hard skills. Uh, they knew how to uh, code, they knew Excel, they knew Tableau. But the problem was that they couldn't give a speech. They didn't know how to send emails to people higher up than them without wow. yeah, coming off rude at times. So yeah. that's when I was starting to see these two worlds merging where communication skills were very important for engineers, especially nowadays. And yeah, engineers yeah. were down to learn communication as well. Wow. So is that where you decided that you wanted to become a better communicator or did it start before that? So that's a great question. That was <laughs> roughly around the same time because I came to understand, like when I was going to school for engineering, we didn't really have much communications classes. We had a mm -hmm. lot of like learn electrical circuits, learn diagrams. Yeah. yeah, all the science stuff. But once I started my career, I had to speak a lot. I had to, you know, play with the office politics, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I just didn't have too much confidence speaking up. So that's when I started to invest in Toastmasters. And yeah. what is Toastmasters for people that don't know? What, like, what I've, I've, it's actually funny because a few years ago when I first started getting in front of the camera, one of my friends, she was like, yo, Javier, you should join Toastmasters. And I was like, what is, Toast, to what is Toastmasters? And I started looking up and I was like, dang, that would really be a good fit for me. I just never did it. I never committed. But what is Toastmasters for people that don't know? Sure. So Toastmasters is a global public speaking club, which helps mm -hmm. um, people within their community improve public speaking. There's nice. different ways to do that where members can give planned speeches and they can get evaluated. And there's also a section for impromptu speaking called uh, table topics. Um, so, yeah, the first time I heard about it, I thought it was like, I thought it was a restaurant. Toastmasters, <laughs> yeah, I could definitely see that. Yep, yep. So they came to uh, my college at the time, USF. And nice. my friends were like, oh, you down to go to a Toastmasters meeting? I was like, no, nah, I just ate. Yeah. <laughs> but then I found out it was a public speaking club. Yeah. Nice, Did you nice. Well, I actually, when I found out about it, I was in Tampa. I, I did not go. I should have did it, but I did not go. Um, it was like it was like a transitional period. I was at. I was, it's it's kind of funny because I'm pretty sure there's a there's a club on the Tampa campus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I was I was on Tampa campus like every day, like just working on my business. Though I wasn't a student, I already graduated from um, Florida Land University, but I had a, one of my brothers and one of my organizations. He let me use like his um his credentials to log into the library. So me and my girlfriend, we go to the library every day working on our business, our, our social media business. So it was kind of funny. I wasn't there to to study Toastmasters. I was working on my business, but it was something that did cross my mind because I definitely I, I went on the website and everything. I was looking at some of the tips, how to become a better communicator, better speaking, everything. But I never committed to actually becoming a member of Toastmasters, which I still think I could. I think I still think I should, especially for something that we can do virtually now. You know, if there's something that's possible, that definitely probably would, because that's the one of my goals to become a better communicator. For sure. And the beauty nowadays is uh, they changed it up. So mm. when I was first doing Toastmasters, everyone had to work out of like the same book. It was called mm. Competent Communicator. 
Okay. But nowadays, they have a thing called the Pathways Program. So you get to choose which path fits you and your personality type. Mm. Uh, there's one for comedy. There's another one for like motivational speaking. Another uh, one for leadership. Uh, so nowadays is actually the perfect time to join and because it's much okay. more dynamic. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, a lot absolutely. of it is, yep, a lot of it you could access online. So everything is gathered uh, in the same spot. So it's never too late. Absolutely. No, I'm definitely, I'm definitely considering anybody that's actually considering becoming a member, where can they, where can they look for more information to join that? So they would go on Google and just type in, find a Toastmasters club near me. And okay. from there, the first link will allow them to just put in their zip code and yeah. it'll show the closest Toastmasters. Nice, nice. And this was something you actually became the external vice president for. Yes. So initially, the first time I went, you know, everyone's like, you don't have to say anything. You don't have to do any talking. So that's yeah. how they dragged me there. And it just so happened that I ended up getting called on stage to do the impromptu speaking part. And my topic was Maraca. You ever heard like, like the random speech on the, the, the Maraca instrument? <laughs> yeah, dude. And this was the one in my college. So there were like a lot of my fraternity brothers, like yeah. cute girls, random yeah. people in the audience. And I just froze. I, I didn't say a single word. And uh, I was just like, man, what am I going to say about Maraca? And yeah. it was pretty embarrassing the first time. So mm. Later on, when I went back to Toastmasters, I never thought I was going to actually even be a member. I just wanted to prove that I could do like a small little table topic speech. Did you go right back after or were you like, were you just like, did you go missing for a little because you were like embarrassed or did you come right back? Bro, I went missing for like, <laughs> like three to five months. Oh, like, wow. It was, it was embarrassed. It was that embarrassing. And, you know, most people forgot. Most people, like, you know, the first couple of days, they were, like, making some jokes. But afterwards, they forgot. But I still remembered. And that we, was that. We, 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 uh, we put this fear in our minds. We think people are thinking about us, like, we're that important. And it's just like, ah, uh, what are they thinking about me? But half the time, people forget. Yeah, dude. And that's exactly what happened. They yeah. forgot. Uh, they forgot. And later on, when I went back to Toastmasters, I just wanted to prove I could do that small little speech, yeah. which I was able to do. And from there, uh, it became like a rush, you mm. see? And that's when I went up from a, just a guest uh, to a member, a member to the recruitment chair where I'd get other people to come in. Yeah. And then recruitment chair to external vice president where I'd throw different events and bring awareness to the club. Wow, wow. So you started off as just, you know, just something to try. You tried it, you complete, in, in your words, you completely tanked, you failed, you folded, you just, you went missing for a few months, and you're just like, oh man, people are laughing at me, I can't show my face, then you, you came back, people forgot, then you killed it, and from there, you became addicted to speaking and, and started actually building upon the club. That's an amazing thing. Thank you, man, and you nailed it. That's exactly like the workflow of how it went, and later on, when more people were trying to join the club, yeah, uh, you'd be surprised over here. Uh, a lot of them have the same concerns. They're thinking, mm -hmm. well, what if I fell and they remember like forever? Like that's not what happens in real world. Yeah. And I can speak for myself, man. That was one of my biggest things that stopped me from just even like, cause I'm, I'm, I'm a very like, cause I'm an introvert, but 
once I'm comfortable, I'm very passionate, personable. I'm trying to make everybody laugh. I'm trying to, you know, just be social, but it takes, it takes me to become comfortable. And so not all the times in whatever position in life, maybe it could be work, it could be business that you have the time to become comfortable. So like what type, what steps would you like recommend to somebody that wants to become more comfortable when they're, when they're in a public setting and they need to speak to people? So one of the best ways to be comfortable is going in with the in initial focus of focusing more on the other person. Mm. That's one of the main things I learned in my Toastmasters journey, where in the initial stages, I was getting really nervous because yeah. I kept putting too much focus on me. I'm mm. like, will they like me? Uh, are, uh, are they going to clap for me? And the more that it's me focused, the yeah. more anxious that a person gets. Wow. So when, yeah. yeah, so when flipping the focus on the other person, it just melts away nerves like instantaneously. So that's something that worked for me in terms of um, the public speaking and the social skills world. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, prior to you had, when we first started the conversation, you talked about hard skills and then you talked about like how the engineers, most of them had the hard skills, but a lot of them didn't have like these interpersonal skills, like these soft skills. Can you talk about like what some of these soft skills are? Sure. So there's uh Five that I particularly talk about with Armani Talks, uh, it's public speaking, it's social skills, it's emotional intelligence, uh, creativity, and storytelling. And these are just five of many different soft skills. And the reason they call it soft is because it's intangible. It's very difficult to measure like your creativity, for example. And yeah. based off of your questions, you're a very creative person, but Thank it's very you. difficult to it's very difficult to quantify that. And the traditional engineering mind works in terms of quantification. How yes. can I measure it? How can I create an Excel formula, an algorithm for it? Yeah. But soft skills are different where there's no measurement really, but it does have practical benefits in our life. Where as engineers start to progress in their career, uh, they have to give more speeches. They have yeah. to manage other people's emotions within their team. Uh, so that's where emotional regulation comes in, problem solving skills, uh, the ability to listen, which yes. is a skill set in itself. Absolutely. Um, yeah, but it, it definitely gets difficult for engineers because uh, most of our schooling isn't catered towards that. You mm. see what I'm saying? It's catered towards something completely opposite. Absolutely. So you said something which I feel like is very, very important, especially as just a human being, right? You said something about emotional regulation. Can you talk a little bit about emotional regulation and what that, what that entails? Sure. So this was a word that, you know, when I was an undergrad, I thought it was a fake word. I thought yeah. people just said, oh, EQ, oh, man, that's just like a made up thing to control people. For some that's reason, it. I thought this, um, like 19-year-old version of me thought this. But by the first time that I choked that uh, Toastmaster speech, yeah. I came to understand that, you know, you could be the smartest person intellectually, but that doesn't mean anything if you're terrified. It's like yeah. all that, yeah, all that starts to just crumble before you. Mm -hmm. So that's when I started to take emotional regulation more seriously, which is the ability to control energy. Emotion in itself is just a word 
what that word really signifies is energy plus perception. Energy is like the physical sensations we're feeling. And the perception is the narrative that we're assigning it. Emotional intelligence comes down to embracing the energy and controlling the perception where that's a skill set in itself. And I would say it's one of the most important skill sets for all communicators, whether it's an interview, whether it's a speech, you got to be able to control the nerves. And you know, just for your viewers, one of the best ways to control it is to learn to feel the sensations in your body and mm. feel it without judgment. Because a lot of the times we'll be like, oh, I'm nervous. And we'll say it a little too quick. Well, yeah. it's better to not use that word yet and just feel the sensations. This is a very simple way to build EQ. So a lot of times we're not even nervous, but we, we, we convince ourselves that we're nervous because we just say it. Yeah. And you'll be surprised how often that actually happens. It's like, um, have you heard of the phrase called emotional literacy? Emotional literacy. Um, I've, I, I guess like I said, I've heard it, but not frequently. Like, I guess you, 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 you consider it kind of like financial literacy, but towards your emotions. Yes. So normally for the average person, like mm-hmm. if you ask them, what kind of emotions do you have? They'll be like yeah. happy, sad, angry, confused. It's very yeah. like surface level understanding. Mm. But in the human experience world, multiple emotions can uh, happen at the same time. Right. You ever had that moment when you're a little sad, but you're feeling hopeful at the same time? Absolutely. Uh, you're anxious, but you're feeling excited at the same time. Uh, this is emotional literacy, where rather than just labeling the emotion too quickly with a very surface level uh, understanding, you feel the emotion and then you label it. And most of the times when you feel the emotion first, you don't even have to label it because now the problem is resolved. Wow, emotional literacy, okay, okay. So let's talk a little bit, speaking about you know emotions, let's talk a little bit about like the ego, right? Everybody has an ego. How does like the ego come into play when it comes to communication, good and bad? Okay, so let me say the good part first because Absolutely. the good part actually gets uh, undermined. Yeah. Uh, good part will help us navigate around the bad part. Absolutely. So the good part is that your ego is highly creative. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had uh, someone cut you off in traffic in a very aggressive way? All the time. Yeah. I'm and from uh, Florida. <laughs> yeah, you're from Florida. And <laughs> let's say your girlfriend came to you and was like, hey, uh, what's wrong? And you are capable of creating a very compelling story right there on the spot. You won't believe it. There was this aggressive looking idiot that just <laughs> cut me off and you're just going in storytelling mode. Absolutely. This is the ego, which is creating a story out of thin air. So the mm-hmm. ego is very creative. It's capable of creating stories. So that's the good part. Okay. okay that's the good part. The bad part is a lot of these stories sometimes can get us into trouble. You see, uh, back to that car example, uh, the person cut you off and now the story is coming in your mind. Like mm. this guy is hurting my character. This guy's going out of his way to just cut me off. He didn't cut yeah. off anyone else in the highway. Just, just me. me. Yeah. yeah, this is the ego that's untamed. That means the ego is controlling the person rather than the other way around. 
this is the good thing about communication skills because communication skills helps us learn how to control the ego. So we're the master rather than the servant. Wow. I really like how you, how you said we become the masters and not the servants because, you know, oftentimes our, we run off of emotion. Like we don't even take the time to really breathe, to think about what we're doing. Like we just move based off of just how we feel about the situation. You know, that whole accident, you know, that knife accident, the whole cutting somebody off, that could turn into something totally bigger than it has to be because of emotions, because of just reacting based off of those things. How do yeah. we like, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was like, 100%, I agree with that. Yes, how do you like kind of, how do you control the ego in the sense? So now you take the, because to become a better communicator, a lot of times you have to kind of like, you know, observe, observe what's going on, you know, and not just react. So how can you like limit that reaction, limit like the things that we do when we're acting out of ego and become a better communicator? One of the best ways to do that is to increase knowledge of the self. Because the better that we understand how we work, now we can expect it for the next time. And just to give you an example of this, uh, let's say you're walking across a river on your way back from work, okay? Yeah. You make this walk every single day after work, and normally you're drinking uh, uh, a Coke, okay? Yeah. So as you're walking across a river, uh, you're done with the Coke, so you throw it into the river. Okay, let's just say that this is the case. And this is something that you're doing for weeks and weeks on end. You're yeah. throwing the trash into the river. Well, one of these days, you see a little boy that has a bucket. He's picking up water from that river. And you go to the guy, hey, uh, what are you doing? And the little boy tells you that uh, his family can't afford water. So he, his family gets all the water from this river. From the river. And now immediately, the person who's throwing the trash in the river feels like very sad and very yeah. embarrassed. Like, whoa, he's I can't throwing believe- that same river. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe I've been throwing my trash into this river. So the next day, when he's drinking his Coke, he's finished and he's walking across the river, right before he's about to throw it, there's that knowledge of what happened with this little boy that comes yeah. in and makes him second guess himself. And that little mm-hmm. second guessing portion is the beginning of a new behavior. So in a very similar case, this is what can happen with us. If we start to understand, okay, well, this makes me angry or this makes me, uh, this is one of my sensitive spots. If we can get in the habit of, let's say, writing or articulating it, this gives us like more knowledge, like that little boy gave that guy that keeps throwing the trash in the river. Yeah. Wow. It's one of the best ways to control. Yep. Yeah. Like awareness is key. Now awareness you're aware of something, now you know that exists, now you have a choice. Exactly. And awareness in itself is a process. That's why I say, like, let's say someone doesn't meditate and they're trying to control mm-hmm. their ego. One yeah. of the best ways is to start writing, whether it's a Twitter account, whether it's a journal, something like that, because it forces you to look within. Wow. Now, speaking about Twitter, like, you've amassed such a really large following on twitter i actually followed you it's kind of funny because like the, the way i found you on twitter i didn't find you just based off of your tweets like i was I, I mean i do a lot of social media stuff and um i used to post a lot of my poetry on my on my twitter and this guy this guy that i follow he's, he lives all the way in france this young guy all the way in france he was like you should follow this account 
I, I see you being like this account. I'm like, what are you talking about? He sends me your page and I just started going down your, your threads and all your tweets. And I was just like, whoa, like what you were saying, I was just like, wow wow like these things were like resonating with me because it's a lot of different you know as an entrepreneur a lot of different mindset tips behavior tips how to be confident how to be a better speaker and a lot of things that aligned with me i instantly had to follow this is like maybe like two three years ago and i was just Whoa. like wow like this guy this guy is dope so how did you like amass like your twitter following was it just like you said like just you know putting your feelings out there and then you just saw people like started resonating with it? yeah so initially it was just a hobby uh, yeah so I did Toastmasters like in my earlier life, in my earlier mm -hmm. 20s. And then once they introduced the Pathways program, I decided that I was going to like restart it and I was going to document the entire journey. Uh, so, yeah, so that's when I started my Twitter account. I started to, you know, document my journey. And I also included my engineering tips. And from there, I started to get DMs from different people saying that the tweets helped. And yeah. it came to a point where even one person was like, hey, I have a speech coming up. I have to give a best man speech at my brother's wedding. Uh, can you can you coach me? And uh, he's, yeah, he's like, I'll pay you. And mind you, I'm still doing this account for a hobby. So I was yeah. like, I was like, you're not gonna pay me. And he ended up paying me like the money, like through PayPal. And we did the service. He killed it at his brother's best man speech. But it got me thinking at that point, like this could be something bigger. Yeah, it could really help people in a very practical sense as well. So what started off as a hobby is still a hobby. Like I still write for fun, yeah. but it has the ability to, you know, also tweak people's speech giving and all that kind of stuff. Wow. So something that started off as a hobby, something you were doing for fun, you put it out there, you started getting all this information like, oh man, I really love what you're doing. Thank you. Okay. And can you help me? Can you coach me? So that was like your first client in a sense. Yes, that was the first ever client. And it, it really, yeah, because you mentioned you currently have a business right now, right? Yes, sir. Uh, online business? Um, majority of all my businesses are remote online. I do e-commerce. I sell my, I have my book of poetry. I have my podcast. You know, a lot of them is definitely e-commerce brands. Yes. So it's a different mindset for online business where on online, uh, space and time doesn't matter too much. Meaning Absolutely. that my first client was from Australia. Absolutely. I'm in Tampa, right? So this wasn't even a concept that would exist, let's say, years 20 ago. years ago. Yeah. You see, when we were first coming to this country, we had to use like phone cards to contact our relatives in Bangladesh. So yeah. it shatters a lot of your notions regarding how business works along with technology. Wow. Wow. That's, you know, that's, that's, that's an amazing thing to understand that, you know, cause that's the power of social media, right? The internet technology, our phones, I was speaking to you on my phone right now, you know, the, the, the ability to, like you said, transcend time and space itself. Cause if you really think about it, time and space, all these things are things that we as people created. So now we have this wonderful tool that you could be in Tampa, Florida, just tweeting, inspiring somebody in Australia to, to ask for your services actually creating a service for yourself this wasn't something that you were charging for so he put that thought into your mind like maybe i can charge for this he paid you he killed it have you ever spoken to him since yes um i still speak to him um most of my clients uh, we have a whatsapp uh, group so yeah. i still keep in touch with a lot of them 
And just to add on to your point, for sure, so space gets collapsed. Plus, let's say your podcast episodes, something mm-hmm. that you record later today yes. can be discovered 10 years from now. Yeah, that's amazing. And unlike matter, matter can corrode, but information doesn't corrode. So, so what you're creating are information. And this is something that your great grandkids can interpret in complete quality form. So just like space being something that is becoming fuzzier, so is time, which is, which is very unique. It's a very unique time to be alive. Yeah, man. It's, you know, it's, I feel like it's one of the, the best times to be alive, man. Cause you know, you mentioned the fact that, you know, when you're coming from Bangladesh, the fact that you had to use phone cards to just to communicate. Now you can communicate with your clients through WhatsApp, Twitter, you know, whatever the medium is. And, you know, just even with recent years of just, you know, everything to do with COVID, the pandemic and everything, well, it kind of like, it was a bad thing, but it could have been, depending on the perspective that you have, it could have also been a good thing. You know, know, people's lives are lost. I lost, you know, people and, you know, it's it's a bad thing, man, but like, it's okay, man, but it created like a shift. You know, a lot of people are now, you know, looking into entrepreneurship. A lot of people are looking into self-development. A lot of people are trying to, you know, are starting their own podcast. They're on the show with a lot of people are, you know, realizing that they have these different skills that they didn't have at all. You know, how do you feel like the pandemic kind of influenced it or impacted, you know, speaking and communicating for good and bad reasons? So I'll, I'll give you a real life example right now. Mm-hmm. So 2019, I was working with a really renowned public speaking coach in the yes. Largo area. And I wanted to learn from him because he also used to do singing, acting, Broadway. Yeah. I thought he could open me up to a brand new world. Mm-hmm. So initially when I was working with him, um, he would host uh, speaking engagements. I would uh, typically do emceeing and I would see how the public speaking game worked from his end. Yes. Well, since COVID started, uh, he, he has been having his perception flipped where mm. his entire life, he's in his 60s, he's had to do live events where a lot of people are coming, uh, watching him in a geographic location. So nowadays, you know, he's investing it in his YouTube. He's getting his old content, posting it up on YouTube. Yeah. And you're seeing how his perception is changing. He's yeah. saying... Technology thing. Yeah, like this technology thing is it's not just something that's a fad, it's something that can really help. So it gives more perspective. Let's say even with a YouTube video, a YouTube video that gets 100 views. Uh, for some YouTubers, that's too little. It's like a hundred views, that's nothing. They just see numbers on a screen. Yeah. Let's say you have a public speaking experience with the live events. 100 different people right like seeing the 100 people come how it's normally like a three to six week process it's something great yeah what are you gonna say no i was saying that's actually a really great perspective that you're making when you actually turn those numbers into real life people like public the the, the, the difference between public live speaking and the internet where we see it as this big bad thing but if we were in this one space with those same amount of people it's kind of like whoa these are 100 people that came to see me Yes. And the thing with a lot of these public speaking events is that 
there's a lot of back end work. You got to yeah. create flyers for a couple of uh, like weeks. Yeah. That means you got to get designers. Then yeah. you got to create the Facebook page. You got to coordinate it with um, the food people, the speakers, yeah. the MC. So they're all on the same page for hundred people to at least show up. Normally oh, yeah. 100 people say they're going to come but on day, big day event, 100 people come. So it kind of gives you perspective of what 100 people are like. So when you yeah. post a YouTube video and it gets 100 views where other people are like, oh, aren't you sad that you only got 100 views? The way that I'm viewing it as is like, I literally just turned on the camera. I didn't even have to leave my studio and I saved so much time. So understanding this perspective helps us better understand and appreciate this perspective. Wow, that that now that see that's 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 the beautiful thing about just even having a change perception. Like to to me, like if I get like you know me me personally, me getting hundred views, that's amazing for me, right? Especially because a few years ago I could barely do it. I was scared. So hundred views, like oh man, yes, five hundred views. Oh wow, you know. But when you actually take the time to really you know identify this as specific people and think about all the work it entails to even have a hundred people show up. It makes that that that's perspective of a hundred viewership, like makes it amazing. So I feel like perception is everything. I like how you were able to kind of break that down. Appreciate it. And you said you do po poetry, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. So nowadays when you hear good poetry, you probably perceive it in a much different light than someone who doesn't understand the fundamentals of poetry. Because yeah. you're actually a creator and a consumer of it. Yeah, absolutely. And then, like poetry, when I'm listening to somebody speak in general, or even music, like let's think, let's talk about music because that's like transcends everything. Like because like I love to write, I love to read, I love, I want to be an artist in a, in a in a sense, right? I perceive it in a way different way than somebody like I'll hear like the the you know like the metaphors. I'll see the imagery so much clearer than somebody. Most people, they might just hear like the, the beat, the melodies, but they're not really listening to the words. So me just being like a creator, like I'm looking at the whole picture. I'm listening to the storytelling, right? Yes. Now, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Yes. Like, I, I agree with you. Yeah, man. And so and when it comes to music, poetry, speaking in general, it's like you have to master the art of storytelling, be able to like capture your audience's attention, you know, through the words, through the sounds, whatever the case may be, is but through the art of telling this story, bringing your vis, your like your your viewers and your listeners on this road and journey with you. How important is storytelling for the art of communication and just life in general? It's very important because whenever we're factoring in perception, yeah, it's it's immediately imperative that we include storytelling in the process. Yeah. So me saying something like uh, water bottle, mouse, and uh, highlighter that means nothing because it doesn't have meaning to the person so for, for the storyteller it's a game of connecting the ideas and then delivering it to the person so when i was growing up i was working at subway for a while and yeah. um it, it was funny because the first day i entered subway i had this manager named ashish yeah. ashish the first day was like you don't just make subs, okay? I don't want you to think like that. You're a sandwich <laughs> artist. Oh, it sounds better, right? Yeah, and when he called me a sandwich artist, it, it made me go from, oh, this is just another job to, yeah, I'm making a difference. Yeah, and absolutely. 
yeah, and for the next couple of uh, months, it, it was a summer job. Uh, mm -hmm. I was making uh, subs, like all the different kinds of subs. And as I started to grow up and I started to tell more stories, do more speeches, I started to see a stunning parallel between making subs and creating a story. Mm. With subs, it's like a, you get bread, meat, cheese, vegetables, seasoning, packaging, and combine it into one experience for the customer, right? If one yeah. thing is missing, it doesn't really feel right. If someone really likes their sub, they'll notice if you put in American cheese rather than provolone. <laughs> I know because it happened to me before. <laughs> with, with stories, it's like you have characters, um, concepts, and your ideas, and you yeah. wrap it into one final experience. So I personally thought that was cool. It's like two different parallels, Absolutely. different subjects, but similar lessons. Wow. So storytelling is extremely important because it's just how we perceive everything. Uh, just to give you one more example. Absolutely. Um, do, do you watch uh, boxing or any kind of sports? Yeah, I do. I watch, I, I watch boxing a little bit. I watch football, I watch basketball, you know, karate, stuff like that. Yeah. Right. So what, like, let's say Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather is an extremely skilled uh, boxer, one of the best boxers of our generation. Absolutely. What made him extremely wealthy wasn't just the boxing skills. It was the content where if he's just boxing in his backyard, no one would pay tickets. No one would know who he is. Yeah. But add uh, Floyd Mayweather uh, plus pay-per-view plus his public speaking skills as yeah. being the villain. Now yeah. that's what made him successful. So storytelling is something that is in all parts of our society. It's just happening so effortlessly that sometimes we don't notice that it's happening. Yeah. Absolutely. And I like, I like that example that you use about the sandwich maker as well as Floyd Mayweather. Like he, like he, they paint him as like this bad boy, pretty boy, you know what I'm saying? Like this, this, like this rock star type of guy, everybody wants, everybody wants him to lose so bad, but he still ends up winning. So now you're paying attention to even more than just the boxing, you're paying attention to his lifestyle, everything. Right. And so, yes. um, when you become like your own personal brand, you become, let's say, a public speaker. Do you think that, do you suggest like you kind of like having like a, like you build like a, like a character for yourself, like your own avatar, like your own persona, like somebody that you like switch into, like when you're going in front of other people? I think that can help uh, certain people. Yet, I think th there has to be a fine line, uh, basically mm. where content should always be natural towards your experiences. Again, and I yeah. believe the best content is the one that you don't have to research. If you, if I have to give a speech and I'm having to, to do a whole bunch of research for that, yeah. then most likely I'm speaking about something outside the boundaries of my experience. Yeah. Um, I think it's best to always keep it in terms of your experience. But when you are speaking in front of people, uh, amp it up just a little bit more because there are more people there. Uh, if I'm kind of like, you know, low in energy, then... Uh, you're not truly in the zone. But with this perspective, speech anxiety now becomes a leverage. Anyone that's been in Toastmasters for, let's say, 15 to 20 years, yes. they get excited when they're nervous beforehand because yeah. they don't view it as nervousness. They view it as energy that's going to color their speech more. And when you're speaking in front of 500 people, there's going to be 
different levels to you that's unlocked. So I, I yeah. would never say uh, create a persona for yourself because now it's creating like another like zone you have to get into. Yeah. I believe you, you got to know yourself very well and then amp it up when need be, especially when you're talking in front of other people. Okay, okay, absolutely. So, okay. But that's where the self-awareness, all those things come into play, emotional intelligence. Exactly. And the beauty about soft skills is that each one plays a role on the other one. So if you're learning public speaking, for example, over time, you're going to start working on your emotional intelligence. And over time, conquering speech anxiety does wonders in conquering your social anxiety. So it's like, if you get your foot in the door with just learning one, you learn a whole bunch of the other ones as well. Absolutely, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. And so Armani, you know, I practice, like, I know, you know, I downloaded your free ebook, you know, and you have some steps to become a better communicator in there. And some of the things that I've seen in your ebook, not to, you know, spoil the surprise or anything like that, is the fact that, you know, talking about journaling, journaling, right? And so writing down your thoughts and everything like that. And so one of the things that I do is I journal, I journal as well as I do my affirmations, right? And so one of the things that I write down as well as I say aloud is that I'm gonna be, I am one of the greatest storytellers that ever lived, right? I'm one of the greatest storytellers that ever lived. I'm one of the greatest speakers that ever lived. What is some tips that you would give me? I know you've been listening to me speak for however long now. And so in your opinion, like what are some things that you would suggest for me personally that I can use to become a better storyteller and become a better speaker? Well, I, I from just hearing you, you have a very nice rhythmic voice, which is Thank something um, that a lot of people don't have. For them, it, it's a struggle to get the words out. So you, yeah. that's already a very good part for your voice. And what I think that will help you even more is something yeah. that is what you're already doing, you know, doing yeah. these interviews and consistently adding more content. Yes. Because, uh, Picasso, Picasso, and even modern day, uh, let's say Ed Sheeran, like he always yeah, got yeah. the latest uh, hit music. Yeah. They all say it's about uh, reps, the reps and consistency. So I believe the more that you keep adding on to your content, yes. the more that you're going to learn more about yourself, the dead yeah. wood is going to fall off and we're just going to see you evolve in real time. So I think for you, I mean, uh, you know, the sky's the limit because you have, yeah, you already have a lot of natural gifts and it's best to keep letting those natural gifts shine by, you know, developing a killer work ethic, discipline and showing up all the time. Thank you, man. I really appreciate that. And that's, you know, that's the goal. That's the main reason for like even creating my podcast. And I, I did my book. I'm like, yo, I gotta, I gotta keep doing more things. I gotta force myself, you know, I do, you know, I do my most majority of my interviews are either live on Instagram or on Zoom. And one of the reasons I forced myself to do it live is because I was afraid of messing up. So I'm yeah. like, well, if it's live, if you mess up, you mess up. Now you have to have this live conversation with whoever, from whoever the person is around the world. Could be somebody that you, you never met before. Could be somebody that I was able to speak to like people like Evan Carmichael live, you know? Oh, that was, his yeah, channel is a game changer. Oh my God, Evan Carmichael, man, that's definitely, definitely a dope guy. One of my, one of my mentors and just even him speaking to him, he was telling me, yo, it's not about being nervous. Cause I'm, I'm nervous. No matter who I talk to, I'm nervous before every interview. Anytime he has to speak to somebody, he's nervous. He's networking. He's nervous, but he pushes through. He's like, even before speaking to you, I was nervous. 
you know, and just knowing that is fear is just something that, you know, it's something that we have in our mind, something that we have to move, you know, past. It becomes a little bit easier every time I speak. And so, you know, just forcing myself to, you know, be consistent and do these different things, study from, you know, people like such as yourself, people that are actually doing these things, doing it at high levels, man. And so, you know, I, I appreciate, you know, the, the advice, even you taking the time to speak with me, man, is definitely, you know, doing wonders for my, com you know, my confidence. Okay. You know, I can work on this. I can work on that. Oh, I heard this emotional intelligence. Okay. How can I become more, you know, more aware of certain emotion? I, I, I hide. So yeah, definitely, man. So like, this conversation is empowering for me. So I know whoever is listening is going to empower them as well. Yeah, bro. And th that's the good, great thing about you. You seem like a lifelong learner. Um, yes, a lot of, one of the coolest things since starting Armani Talks is a lot of the people that I work with are much older than me. Yet, yeah, they have this hunger to just know more. In a traditional world, it's like, why would someone older learn from someone younger? Mm -hmm. But in the mental world, that doesn't really matter. They, they see more experience. Even though I'm really good in this field, I could learn uh, interviewing skills from yourself. And that's what a lot of winners have in common. They just could learn from anyone. There's this ancient parable. I don't know if I'm going to get it exactly right, but let me take my stab at it. It's Absolutely. like when the when the uh, wood is extremely wet, it's ex it's impossible to light it up. But when mm -hmm. the wood is made dry, it's easy to light up. And what this represents is a wood being wet is sort of like the mind that thinks it knows it all. It's yeah. like when it comes in contact with new knowledge, it's like... Look at this guy. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. It's yeah. a scam. He doesn't do that. You know, on the flip side, if it's a mind that has been made dry by uh, being humble, always trying to stay curious, now yes. when the knowledge comes in, it lights it lights up. So it's a yeah. difference in mindset. And you seem like the latter. Like you have that dry mind, which can just absorb knowledge. I appreciate that, man. I feel like, you know, that's the number one key to becoming successful, you know, like being that dry wood, being able to absorb more knowledge, whether it's somebody that's younger than you, somebody that's older than you, the experience, you know, and um, the whole point of my podcast, The Fly on the Wall Show, you know, it's to inspire people to think, create, and chase their dreams. And, you know, because I believe all those things, you know, result in success. The number one reason people don't believe that they come is, number one reason people don't become successful because they don't believe they could become successful. They haven't seen it. They don't know what it looks like. They don't know what it feels like. And so the goal is to have these various people come on the show, you know, people that I believe that inspire me, people that motivate me, people that I feel like are successful in whatever it is that they do. So whether it's public speaking, communication, such as yourself, I'm able to bring these people on the show to show people what it looks like, what it feels like, what it sounds like, and how, how they could become that too, you know, because, you know, knowledge is it's all about sharing it. You know, a lot of people try to keep it for themselves and hoard the mm -hmm. knowledge. But my, you know, what I feel like one of my purposes is to like connect people with all these various people and show them like, yo, this knowledge is out here. Just because you didn't know that it didn't exist doesn't mean that it's out here. It doesn't have to be a secret anymore, right? You can have this too. You can have this thing, this this phenomenon that looks like success is like so far away, but actually it's, it's easier than it, than it, that you that your mind can even really, you know, exhort because like it's all a mindset if you don't believe something to be true or you're never going to have it for yourself and so it all starts in the mind and I'm, I'm like that fly on the wall just watching just listening absorbing 
and I try to make sure everybody that you know follows me can be that fly in the wall too, man. So, you know, I, I think that's how I can break it down in a nutshell, man. But you know, I just want to say, you know, Amani, man, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. You've been a uh, so much knowledge, so much gems, and so much value has been dropped. You know, it's it's so crazy to have you mentoring me on Twitter. Now I'm speaking to you face to face and actually, you know, providing value with one another, man. It's an amazing feeling. You don't even understand. It's an amazing feeling. I appreciate you inviting me on the show. And I did want to let you know, I love the name of the podcast. It's very clever and it, it, it makes you think. It's like, because the reason that we watch content is yeah. we just want to be a fly on the wall in terms yeah. of being in these ideas. So I think it's extremely well thought out. I just want to let you know publicly that I, I like the name a lot. Thank you, man. I appreciate it, man. That, that means a lot to me. You know, it definitely does. Anything I do, whether it's, you know, my book, anything that I create, merchandise, I just want people to think. I feel like that's, that's once you get people to think, they're mm -hmm. one step closer to, you know, just succeeding in life. You know, I believe it was, I believe it was Henry Ford. He said one of the hardest jobs in the world is thinking. You know, people don't want to think. And mm -hmm. so, like, my job is to make people think because once you start thinking, you're one step closer to creating. You know, we're all creators. Yes. We're all creators out there. And I just want people to create. You know, once you start creating, you realize that, whoa, life is such an amazing thing. You really create your reality, you know. And so that's 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 the mission, man. I think that's the overall mission. I see you doing the same thing, man. So I hope, you know, it doesn't stop here. I hope we can, you know, learn and grow from each other more, you know, stay in contact and everything, brother. For sure. And I wish you the best as well. Very good interviewer. And I hope a lot of I wish a lot of success for this podcast. Thank you, man. We're definitely going to have you come back on again, man. I feel like there's so much more things that we could talk about, but I know I didn't want to keep you too much, man. I didn't want to keep you. I know you're a busy definitely guy. Down for a part two. Absolutely, man. So, Amani, man, I just want to say thank you so much for being, I believe it's episode 38 of the Fly on the Wall show. Thank you so much, man. I'm grateful. Appreciate you, bro. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely, bro. Until next time. Next time. All right.